about a year ago, at this time, we were wrapping up a series on anxiety. Does some of you remember that one? And one of the things that we did most of the weeks of that series is we prayed a blessing over one another. I would pray, ask God to bless. I'd say, may the peace of God be with you all. And then you said, and also with you, um, can anyone use a little more peace in their life right now? Okay, so would you mind if I pray that blessing over you and if you'd be so kind as to return that my way? Can we do that? All right, may the peace of God be with you all. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, this can be a stressful time of the year. It's fall. It's getting close. Um, and let's dive right in. There's a place to write this in your notes here as we're thinking about fall. We've got a lot of choices ahead. <laughs> we have got a lot of choices ahead. Fall is coming. There was a day earlier this week where I could feel that hint of fall in the air. It was one of those days where the, 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 the humidity had broken. And we had that feel in the air where you could feel the sunshine, you could feel the warmth, but it didn't have that humid summer feel to it. I forget what day it was, but it was this, this week. I could feel that. And then later in the week, I went out to my, my car, and there were a couple leaves on the windshield. And then when I was out walking yesterday, I could hear a couple acorns dropping. You know, it, it is coming. Whether we are ready or if we're not, fall is coming. And if, you've got, uh, if you're involved in the school world, you know that that's a really big deal. It's going to be firing up here soon, and that means a whole lot of new for a whole lot of people. It means new teachers and new teams and new students and maybe even a new school. You know, and we're going to pray for you, by the way, in, in two weeks. On Labor Day weekend, we're going to dedicate time in that service to really be praying for students and teachers and administrators and parents. So we'd love for you to, to be there for that. Well, even if you don't have people in school or if you're not going back to school in some capacity... Every person in this room, we are facing all kinds of choices this fall. I mean, we face choices constantly. And one of the things about choices is that we often fail to recognize how significant even the small choices are. They're significant. And the next uh, set of blanks in your notes speaks to that. Choices have consequences. Choices have consequences. Now, I am not a big fan of time travel movies. They... I just don't like them, I'll be honest with you. But one of the things that they do remind us of is how significant even small choices can be. Because in the time travel movies, right, when they go back in time, either you want to change something so it alters the future, or they tell you, okay, you have to go back in time, and what? Don't do anything. You know, basically, don't mess anything up because you don't know the smallest thing you do could have a huge impact on the future. I was thinking about that this week. We're all in a timeline, right? So the same principle applies. We just don't know what the future looks like yet. These things that seem so small that we're doing can have a radical impact on our future. And conversely, some of the things that we think of as, oh, this is a life and death decision. This really matters. We get to the end. And we're like, oh, that wasn't a big deal. And we stressed out about nothing. Choices have consequences. They have consequences. What's on the line every time you get in a car? A whole lot, isn't it? There are thousands of people. Their lives are changed every year. And the people around them, their lives are changed every year because of what can happen with the decision that involves driving. One of our first meetings that we had when we were launching ECC was on the day that the 35W bridge collapsed. And so many stories were coming in of 
I should have been on that bridge at that time, or my friend or my family member could have been. And maybe you were affected by that. Maybe you had somebody that was. These decisions, these, these choices, they can have huge consequences. There's so many people, we're reading about this all the time, aren't we? Of people who got into the wrong car with, with something they thought was going to take them where they wanted to go. It ended up being an absolute nightmare. Lives were changed, we saw in the news, of people that they were just going shopping at Walmart. And their lives were forever changed because of the day and the time they picked. The same thing can be said of schools. A concert in Nevada, movie theaters, even some people, vacation destinations. They went to a place that they they thought, this is safe. Your life can be changed forever if you just open the wrong email, you visit the wrong website, you, you send the wrong snap. You can waste countless years, countless years being in the wrong relationship, choosing the wrong friends, in the wrong career. Our lives could be, on the flip side, completely different If a lot of us, we look back, we would have listened to the right advice at a certain time or we had made the right investment. Isn't that one always, right? If we just could have known or we took the right risk. A lot of people, you you interview them when they're a senior and they say, what do you regret the most? I didn't take more risks, right? Or if we took the time to learn the right skill. One of my coaches would remind us every day before practice, we had this thing that we recited. And in that thing we recited, it said, the future is a string of nows. Our future is built on a string of nows. I came across this um, quote, this, uh, actually just yesterday. It says this, Sometimes when I consider the tremendous consequences that come from little things, I'm tempted to think what? That there are no little things. Well, in the face of all of this, you see why I was praying for peace here? In the face of all this, we can either choose to walk in fear or we can walk by faith. And if you choose to walk by faith, here's one of the most important questions that anyone can ever ask. I think it's a question that's worth writing down. How much faith do you have in your compass? How much faith do you have in your compass? Whatever it is that's guiding you through life, that's helping you make decisions, that's aligning you with where you think you want to go, how much faith do you have in that? that it's going to be helpful, that it's going to actually bring you to the destination that you'd like to arrive at. With so much on the line in the choices that we make, it is important to ask who or what is guiding us and can our who or what be trusted. If the future is a whole string of nows, what can we do to align our nows with a compass that's going to lead us home? Well, before fall gets here and it's getting really close, I think it'd be really wise to reflect on the direction that we're heading as individuals, as a church, and then to reflect on that compass. Because if you're at all like me, one of the things that happens when fall gets here is we start to get kind of autopilotly. We we try to get this schedule that kind of works, and we're just in the, the rhythm of it, right? We're just kind of caught up in the flow of it, and sometimes we're not even thinking, is this what I really want? Is this really taking me where I want to go, or am I just going through my days, going through my weeks, going through my months, and I look back in the spring and go, was this even worth it? Was it even worth it? All right, so let's 
go in. We've only got, we're going to just do this for three weeks, and I hope it's going to be worth the time. So let's start here. And we're going to start with an invitation that's extended in the Bible. You see this invitation from beginning to end, and you see it written in different ways. The general invitation is this. God's invitation is, follow me, and I'll be with you. Follow me. Really follow me. Don't give lip service to this. Really follow me, and I will be with you. Well, write that down quickly and then add this. God's invitation is follow me and I'll be with you. And this invitation was extended. We saw this in the series that we just came out of. This invitation was extended to Abraham's family. If you have your Bible with you, please open up to a passage that we opened up that series, that Genesis series with. This is out of Genesis chapter 12. I think as we head into fall, it's going to be really good to recap with this verse. Genesis chapter 12. We're going to look just at verses 1 and part of verse 2 here right now. I want to let you know, too, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get one in your hands. We can keep a copy of them there in the back, and you can please just take one as a gift to you. All right, here we go. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, and the first part of 2 says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, that's what he was known at at that time, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I what? Will. Go, and I will. Oh, and I will. This is an invitation that appears in all kinds of different forms all throughout the book of Genesis where God invites people to look to him as their source for guidance. He warns them about things that look good but aren't good for us. He warns about dangers that lie ahead and how to prepare for them. He invites us to join him in bringing light to the darkness and order from the chaos and, and beauty and life from ugliness and death. And often, 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 often in that journey he calls us to, this journey from here to there, it can look pretty intimidating. It can look pretty intimidating. And that was certainly the case for Abraham. When Abraham appears, he's known by the name Abram. He lived in a land that's referred to as Ur of the Chaldeans. This is a real place. They've actually been excavating it since 1922. They've learned a lot about it. It was a large and influential urban center. And during the time of Abram's call, Ur would have been this place of peace and prosperity where he was thriving. And Abram was instructed to go, to go from that, to leave the familiar behind. And we're about to see that Jesus of Nazareth invited people to do the same thing, to go to leave the familiar behind. But before we move on to Jesus, I just want to quickly show you one more thing here. Let's jump to verse 4. It says, So Abram went, as the Lord told him, and Lot went with them. Abram was how old when he went? When was he saying yes to this call? Age 75. I'm not thinking of a specific face, but I think this is for somebody specifically. Listen to these words. Never confuse retirement with heaven. Just let that sink in a little bit. Don't refuse. Some people are going, it ain't heaven. I'll tell you that. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. God has great work for people of all ages. If you're five or 75, God has plans and purposes for all of us. 
God's covenant with Abram was follow me and I'll be with you. And in Abraham's case, the I will be with you had some pretty big blessings attached to that. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. But there were a whole lot of details between the here and there that were left out, weren't there? He was called to follow him and just start going that direction. Here's what's going to happen once you get there. Okay, and, uh, you know, you see right away in Genesis 13, he's, he's going off script, right? A lot of times we're called into things and we're not given the details. With a show of hands, how many have ever experienced it before? You feel a sense of calling and you're like, okay, I'm supposed to go this direction, but yeah, I don't know the details. All right, well, let's, tr- let's move on now. This invitation wasn't just extended in the Old Testament to the family of Abraham. When Jesus arrives on the scene, here's the next one, the invitation then was extended by Jesus. This was the same invitation, just slightly different words. As the New Testament opens, now the Messiah, the King, that Genesis, we kept seeing that, right, over and over again. One of the themes in Genesis kept pointing to this Messiah, to this coming King. The King comes in the New Testament as the New Testament opens. And there's four books in the Bible that contain narrative accounts of Jesus' life. We call them the Gospels. Matthew, what's the next one? Mark, Luke, and then John. Now, no two of them begin exactly alike. Did you notice that? They, they, they don't all open the same way. For example, Matthew begins with a genealogy, and Matthew's genealogy is different than Luke's. Matthew, as an outsider, at least my perspective, he includes a lot of these names that have scandals attached to them. He just puts it out there. No one else does that. Mark just jumps right into the story of John the Baptist. Luke, the investigative reporter, goes and finds lots and lots of backstories that he reports on. And then John just goes completely a different direction. He begins with the words, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So they all start differently, but every single one, every single one of the Gospels, fact check me on this. Every single one of them, as Jesus begins his ministry, to somebody he says, follow me. Follow me. I'll even make your job easy for you right here in all four Gospels. Follow me and I will in Matthew. Follow me and I will in Mark. Follow me in Luke. Follow me in John. There's a whole lot of follow me's. Just go onto a tool like Bible Gateway. Type in Gospels, follow me. There's a lot of follow me's. A whole lot of them. And when we dig into them, we find out that these invitations, they have a similar feel to the invitation that was extended to Abraham. People were called to leave behind sources of security and identity. And they were supposed to trust Jesus radically. Follow me. Follow me. Here's an example from Matthew. Chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. What was Peter and Andrew's source of identity? They were fishermen. Jesus gave them a grander vision He said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. All right. The author of that passage was who? That we just heard. Who's the author of Matthew 4? Matthew. Bible scholars all the way around, right? Tim, if you would have failed that one, then I would have. 
All right. So Matthew. All right. Matthew. Matthew is also included. This is really cool. In his in his gospel, Matthew includes the moment when Jesus invited him, Matthew, to leave behind the career that he knew best. Here's this one. Look at this. Matthew chapter nine, verse nine. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew. He was sitting at the tax booth and he said, follow me, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Now, many times in this service, we talked about the implications there with what Matthew was doing and how shocking that was to so many people. His life was about to change. Here's one that I don't know if we've talked about this part before, though, the way his life was going to change. Take a look at the very next verse as recorded in Matthew. The very next verse. As Jesus reclined at a table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came, and they were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Here's the... the, the, thing that I was wrestling with this week or thinking about this week, by responding to Jesus' invitation, Matthew himself now was about to get opened up to new forms of criticism. He was used to taking heat from the religious people of saying, why are you collaborating? Why are you compromising? He was used to that. Now, by switching here, by following Jesus, he's opened himself up to all kinds of new criticisms from religious people, Right? People who looked at Jesus and said things to Jesus like, okay, you claim to know the truth. You claim to be the truth. What is truth? Now Matthew is identifying with Jesus is going to have to wrestle with that and try to explain that. Or things like this. Come on. If you really are God, Jesus, come down from this cross. Matthew's left trying to explain why he didn't. In Right here in this passage, we see people pointing fingers because they can't see as Jesus sees. They can't. And so they're pointing fingers and they're making claims about God that if they were to stop and humbly reflect, God is revealing stuff about himself right there. But because their eyes are blind to that and their concept of God is already so fixed, they're missing what God is trying to say. They're not seeing as God sees because they're not seeing as Jesus sees. They're allowing their understanding of God to keep them from pressing into things that God was revealing about himself. In Jesus' day, there were religious people who judged Jesus and his followers for eating with sinners. What I'm hearing a whole lot more of today from so many of you and experiencing myself is that there's religious people today who judge Jesus and his followers for calling out sin. Right? It's almost like this whole thing is flipped no matter what you do. Trying to follow Jesus, you're going to be in the crosshairs. Following Jesus will lead you into the messy, nuanced work of really loving people. Really loving people. Truly caring enough to speak the truth in love. Wow. Well, let's look at another example of a time when Jesus said, follow me. And again, there's so many of them. This one is from the book of Mark. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus encounters a young, influential, well-resourced man. And this man saw himself as a good and godly person. And it appears as though he was following a whole lot of the commandments. When this young man asked, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Here's what happened. Mark chapter 10, verses 21 through 22. And Jesus, looking at him loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. 
disheartened by the saying. The young man went away, sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Man, there's a lot of insight here into Jesus. Into Jesus and his ability to see. He could see each person as an individual. In our Genesis series, we saw that God is a God who sees. God is a God who sees. Well, that was certainly true of Jesus. The text said that Jesus looked at him. He looked at him. He sees. He sees into that guy's soul. He saw him. The text also said he what? He loved him. He saw him. He loved him. And because he saw him, because he loved him, he spoke into his life and said, yeah, great job. You are keeping so many commandments. Here's what you lack. Here's what you're missing. And it's a big thing. You're holding on to these things that God gave you as if it wasn't him who gave them to you. Will you trust me enough to let go of these things and follow me? And you'll have treasure in heaven. Elsewhere, Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your what? Heart will be also. If this guy was going to get his compass working right, he had to quit squeezing that thing so tightly. We're going to press deeper into this theme in the next series when we press into this book called Ecclesiastes and also in Lent. And we're going to talk about this theme of deifying our desires. We're going to go there because we have to. We have to. We have deified desires. We put the things, these great things that God's given us, we put them ahead of the one who gave them to us. And until we get that sorted out, our compass is going to be broken. Because where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be also. All right, well, that's a good lead into this next follow me. This one comes from the Gospel of John. John chapter 10, verse 27, where Jesus says, My sheep hear my what? Voice. I know them. And what do they do? They follow me. How many were here last week? Talking about the windmill moments, right? Last week, we talked about windmill moments, times when we do things that we know we shouldn't do. Does Jesus still love us? The answer is yes. And what does this say? My sheep hear my voice. And what do they do? They follow me. They follow me. One of the marks of a stray sheep of the good shepherd is a desire to return to his fold. All right, to what extent does Jesus ask us to trust him? Look at this. Here are the words of Jesus as recorded in Luke chapter 9, 23. Here's the extent. Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus invites us to trust him the way that Jesus trusts the Father, even when it came to taking up a cross. And one of the many things that we learn from Jesus' example is there's a resurrection on the other side of that cross, isn't there? The point isn't the cross, it's the resurrection on the other side of it. 
Follow me, Jesus says, and I'll open your eyes to a grander vision. Follow me, Jesus says, and I'll show you what it really means to love one another. Follow me, Jesus says, you're going to learn to treasure that which is truly treasure. Follow me, Jesus says, I'm going to lead you through dark valleys to still waters. Follow me, Jesus says, and one day that cross you carried for my sake will testify to an empty tomb. My empty tomb and the empty tomb in your own life. There is a storyline in the Bible. It's there from beginning to end. And that storyline is follow me and I will be with you. I'll be with you. It's an invitation that was extended to Abraham and his descendants. It's an invitation that was extended by Jesus when he walked this earth. Follow me, Jesus says, and you'll begin aligning your compass that will lead you home. This is an invitation. It wasn't just extended to them. It's extended to us as a church. There's a place to write this in your notes. The invitation was extended to us. If you've ever heard, never, if you've never heard our story as a church, I want to invite you to our next Explore membership meeting. November 17th, write it down. November 17th. We'll have more details about the event when we get closer. But we've got so many of these stories of a God who called us and was faithful to us. We received a call. And it sure felt a lot like the invitation that was extended to Abraham. It sure sounded a lot like the invitation that was extended by Jesus. For most of us, whether we started back in 2007 or you joined us along the way, for most of us, it, it was a leaving what we knew to start something else, wasn't it? It was leaving what we knew to start something else. It, was, it meant leaving things that felt familiar, things that felt secure, It meant leaving behind buildings and programs, resources and networks, and so much more. If you weren't a church person, and we have several of those, it meant leaving behind those paradigms that you had about religion and about faith and what it was and what it wasn't. We didn't have, we got called into this, a clear picture of what the future would look like. But we had these six words, and these six words were our North Star. Here they are. Love God, love others, and follow Jesus. That's what we had. That was about it. Love God, love others, and follow Jesus. If you want to understand ECC, that's our desire. This is the foundation for everything else. And these six words, they, they all work together. How do we know, if we can go to the next slide, how do we know what loving God and loving others looks like? We look at the life and teaching of Jesus, right? What, do, how, what does it mean to follow Jesus? It means to... Love God and love others. Everything we do, we want it to be anchored in this. Like, for real, not in lip service. For real, we want it to be anchored in this. Our mission, our vision, our values, our core beliefs, our programs, facilities, all the things that we do, the challenges we give individuals, all of this, we want everything aligned with that compass. Loving God, loving others, following Jesus. And again, not in a superficial understanding what this means. This week, Two high-profile, influential Christians posted on social media that they were falling away from the faith that they once professed. And as they described the faith that they were falling away from, I was thinking, I would fall away from that faith too. That was the faith in high school that I was going to walk away from, the one that they described. We're going to dive deeper into that next week, but I want to give you this for now. It's a framework that we've touched on before, but I don't know if you ever elaborated much on it. A person can claim to know rocket science, right? They can say, I get it. I get rocket science. It's about getting from here on earth to there, the moon. 
Okay, you get rocket science, huh? So then if, let's say you probe a little deeper with that person who's got that understanding. You probe a little deeper. They'll go, no, I totally get it. You have to have navigation, propulsion, and life support. Okay, so now you totally have right rocket science down because you can name those three things. What happens if you press it deeper into that? Can you be a little bit more specific? Chances are, if you, if you pushed, what their understanding of rocket science is a little bit more like a toy rocket, right? A toy rocket. Their, their understanding has just enough knowledge of navigation to get that thing in the air, pointed up, right? They have just enough propulsion in their toy rocket to clear the tree line. They have just enough life support to get their little plastic parachute dude, you know, to, to land not in the, you know, next neighborhood, right? If you're understanding what it means to love God, love others, and follow Jesus, it's, it's toy rocket level. That's not going to stand up in the storms of life. I'd walk away from that too. I'd walk away from that too. If you want to experience authentic God with us faith, then let's say yes to the actual invitation that God extended through Jesus. Right? When we launched ECC... We had those six words, love God, love others, follow Jesus. And it is, one lifetime isn't enough to get to the bottom of that well, right? So deep. We also had something else we found at the church, and that was the name God gave us, the name Emmanuel. And what does it mean? It means God with us. As we follow him to these deeper places, as we follow him beyond our comfort zones, as we follow him to, these, to this greater understanding of what it really means to be the body of Christ. He's with us. He's with us, and he's been with us. He's been with us when we get it right. He was with us when we got it wrong. He's with us in the in-between places, leading us and guiding us, opening doors we could have never opened on our own, and taking us deeper. And that brings us to the last bullet in that invitation section of your notes. And that last bullet in that section is this, that invitation that was extended to Abraham's family, the one that was extended by Jesus, the one that extended to us as a church, it's extended to you, to you as an individual. The great theologian, Bradley Cooper, put it like this in a song, tell me something, girl, are you happy in this modern world or do you need something more? Is there something else you're searching for? Let's dive into the deep end and keep swimming deeper. Let's get out of the shallows, right? Let's leave that behind. There's, there's one last section in your notes this morning, and I want to invite you to give more than a shallow response to it. See all these little tiny words? Let me pull this out. See all these little tiny words? I'll start with re. Let me tell you about that. First, at the top of that section, I, I encourage you to write this down. Write down, what's your next step? What's your next step? And here's how this thing developed. In my head, you know, you, you always want to leave folks with a next step. Like, how can you apply what we're talking about? Is this just trivia, or are we really talking about things that truly are the living word of God and can change our lives and change those around us? So as I was thinking about, okay, where, where do we go with this? Well, it seemed like, man, it seems like there's at least two places that you would go. One would be to, to call people to say, are you going to, um, are you going to recommit? Or actually, let me start with this one. Were you going to receive? That was one of the first ones that came to mind. Are you going to receive? Because maybe you've never truly received Christ into your life. One of the, one of the amazing teachings about the scripture is that, that Jesus is more than someone whose teachings you can read, more than someone whose example you can follow. 
he poured his spirit. His spirit's been poured out onto us. We can actually receive him and he can come into our lives, giving us a new heart and a new mind that's oriented with him. And so I was thinking about that would be one of the invitations we could give you to receive him into your life. Then the other one was, okay, but then some of us, it's the recommitment part, right? That we've done that before, but we've gone our own way. We've grabbed on to other things and recommit. Well, then I started thinking about the recommitment. Well, maybe that recommitment needs a little bit of a stronger word because maybe it's full out repent. Maybe you were going a different way and you started following other compasses and maybe your next step is to say, no, I, I need to repent. I need to turn from that way and turn back to God. Well, then that started leading to all kinds of other words. And I'm like, what would happen if we just Looked up a couple re-words. Do you think there's more than three that could apply to us? Here's my short list. The reason I put these more vivid words here is because as I started reading those, if you want to bring about life change in your life, one, don't just have a general goal. I want to get a little bit better at following Jesus. Because what happens with general goals usually? Nothing, right? The other one is to, is to name it. If you're repenting, name it. What does that look like? If you're recommitting, name it. What does that look like? And some of these words, as I was going through, I'm like, man, maybe you can relate to some of these. Like rebuild. Instead of just recommitting, maybe some of you, that word has more focus to it. Like I need to actually rebuild something in my life rebuild a relationship that's broken, rebuild some practices that I once had, rebuild something, reconcile. You know, how many times do you see that in the Bible? Man, if you've got, if you want to follow me, before you bring that gift of yours, go back. And as much as it depends on you, make things right with that person where things aren't right. And then let's talk about next steps. Reconfirm, that's a powerful word for those of us that we came up in a, in, a, in a tradition where we either had baptism as a believer or we had confirmation where we at that time, we, were, we said, I'm all yours, God. Maybe we need to reconfirm those vows. We could go on all of these. Reflect, that's mine. I'm heading to Chicago this week. I'm purposely not packing like, you know, music and stuff because I've got a lot of reflecting to do, a lot of thinking to do. When it go into this fall, right? Research, renounce, replace, reorder, reject. Aren't there some great words here? So as we head into this fall, with all of this within me, I want to encourage you to look through these words, talk them over with someone, pray through them. Find at least one of these words that's vivid, that's, that's you that can help your compass a little bit more pointed in the direction of truly following Jesus. Well, at this time, I want to invite the worship team to help us seal this moment with a song that really speaks to these things, to the point where I want to encourage you to, to stand with us and to, to proclaim this, this song, that we don't want to just go through the motions here. We want to anchor to something deep. So would you please stand? And let's, uh, let's sing this. And I'll pray as, as we do. Father, we opened with a, a prayer for blessing over one another. And Lord, so many of those blessings that you extended to your people, you let them know the pathway that would lead there. Lord, you want to bless us with peace. And Lord, I pray for my brothers, my sisters, those gathered in this room, Lord, 
I pray that you would help us to experience the peace that comes with truly following you and knowing that you have good plans and purposes. And, and Lord, that if you are for us, who can be against us? So help this to be more than a, than a song. Help this to truly be a sincere proclamation that we desire to build our life on, on something far more substantive than anything else. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.